Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a Sports Illustrated channel. Gets to the edge. Tony Michelle will send the dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. Hosted by Dogs Daily Riders, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's a pitch. High out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to. All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard along with Jonathan Williams. Uh, we have a fun one for you, right? Every Everybody saw the draft last week, or at least all of the cliff notes from the draft last week. Uh, so we're going to break down our reaction of the NFL draft for Georgia and what it means for the current roster and moving forward for Kirby Smart and everything of that nature. Um so just we'll jump straight into it, you know, without going too deep into everything. There's a few different categories of that that we'll touch on. Um, but just starting with just the draft in general, your initial reaction as we sit there, you know, Thursday night we were talking throughout the draft and everything like that and just seeing how everything played out. How are you feeling about, you know, just day one alone? We'll start with that. I mean, day one, it was huge to see Trevon Walker go number one overall. Obviously, there was some discussion pre-draft um, that he possibly could go number one. We talked about last week how – he, ha- he was the odds favorite to um, go number one in the draft. But then to actually see it happen, him go above Aiden Hutchinson, edge him out for the number one overall pick was huge. And then also just to see the other guys, because you knew, that, of course, that there was going to be quite a few going in the first round, but you didn't know exactly who. Lewis Seen ended up sneaking into the first round. Quay Walker was the first linebacker taken in the entire draft. So that tells you about – we talked about measurables playing a big part, and Quay Walker was a big um, example of measurables playing a big part because that's exactly what he is. He's a freak athlete, and he tested really well the combine, and that um, that was proven um, where he was placed in the draft. And then, of course, Jordan Davis actually ended up going higher than I expected him to go, got picked up at 13. Devontae Wyatt um, shortly following at him after that as well at um, 28. So First day was packed, and then they ended up setting a record on day one um, with the most players drafted on the same side of the football um, in the first round. So, I mean, it started off great for UJ on day one, no doubt. Yeah, just record after record that they started setting. You know, they had five defensive players drafted in the first round, which was an NFL con- or an NFL record. Then there was, what, seven in the first three rounds? Or, yeah, seven mm-hmm. defensive guys in yeah. the first three rounds, which I believe was also still another record. Um, and then you had nine total in the first three rounds as well, the first two days of the draft. And then obviously with everything wrapping up in the entire part where Georgia set another NFL record, uh, the common era uh, draft record of 15 players being drafted yeah. as a whole. And, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I know I just had you list off the guys in the first round, but it's just every guy that you could have imagined being drafted got drafted. Yeah. I mean, Jay Camardo went in the fourth round. I, uh, I, I We I, sat here last week. Saying like, I mean, Jake Camarda's in the class. Like he, he could sneak round in seven. Yeah, we said he could sneak into round seven. And oddly <laughs> enough, I joked that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the team that you took did. a kicker in the you second did. round, and they end up taking Jake Carmada in the fourth round as well. And I remember when I saw people were saying like, "Oh, Jake Carmada just got drafted." I was like, 
No, he did not. I was like, it's early on the in the fourth round. There's no way Jake Carmona got drafted. And then sure enough, I check and he got picked up by the Buccaneers. So I just thought that was pretty fitting that I joked about Tampa Bay being the team to do it. <laughs> it. And sure enough, they were the team to pull the um to pull the trigger on it. Well, it, but this draft, like what led to that in my head is, I mean, because we saw in the fourth round, you saw two punters go with Camarda being one of them and another kicker going. So it kind of reminded me of how that first round went where you saw a run on wide receivers after the Falcons picked up Drake London at number eight, all of a sudden you started seeing receiver after receiver and then a, just a bunch of trade ups to get him too, or to to get them. And so it just kind of reminded me of that same feeling, right? Once you got into uh, the the fourth round and all of a sudden they saw another punter go kicker go. And they're like, maybe people are going to start taking, you know, these guys off the board and you really want one, but, Personally, I mean, congratulations to to Camarda because that's amazing. You get drafted, you're going to have your chance to go, you know, play pro ball, and you didn't have to sit around and wait to be an undrafted free agent like most kickers and punters have to be. I just don't know. Like the Buccaneers clearly are not afraid to make a actual pick in an earlier round, mid round on a specialist, and that I mean didn't work out so great for him last time. I do think Camarda is a lot different than the kicker previously. Um, the kicker was from Florida State, right? Aguayu or something, something like, like that, that, I think. Yeah. And didn't even make it very long in the I league. I think it was like he one was year, and then he quickly. was like struggling. Well, all I know is that I missed my calling in life to be a punter. <laughs> Shouts to Dan Kiley on that one. But if punters are going in the fourth round, man, I wish I really would have pursued that. And I could have maybe, you know, been a million-dollar guy just kicking footballs and been in the NFL living hey, the man. dream. But missed that one. Now I'm here in a studio with you doing my other dream as well. So. Same thing. Yeah, you know, equally is great. Yeah, Yeah, that's the equivalent, right? But I think the biggest thing about the draft as well is NIL is going crazy right now. It's rambunctious as it has ever been. With um, you got guys coming into the portal, and then it's it's a lot of tampering discussion is what it is because there's million dollar deals being thrown out, and people are like, this guy isn't even in the portal yet, but yet you got USC throwing out a a six-figure deal to this guy or $8 million or whatever to these players. Alabama's in the mix for people and whatnot. And But the big thing for Georgia is that you don't see Georgia getting mentioned in these topics. You know, Tennessee had their run with a quarterback, a high school recruit, giving them a big signing for coming to them. And allegedly. Committing. Yeah, allegedly. We don't know who it is, but read the writing on the wall in a sense. Um, but Georgia made their statement with, we don't need the NIL to get our players because now we have this – and it's the NFL draft and the contracts that their players got, specifically in the first round. I'm just going to quickly read off these numbers that these players got. So for the number one overall pick, Trevon Walker hasn't played a down in the NFL. Don't even know if he's going to pan out or how well he's going to do. $41.4 million salary and a $23.3 million signing bonus. Just right off the bat, he gets that money just for Good being the number one overall God. pick. Jordan Davis for 13th overall, $15.5 million, $9.9 million bonus. Um, Quay Walker, $13.8 million, $7.2 million bonus. Devontae Wyatt at 28, $12.9 million, $6.5 million um, bonus. And then Lewis Seen for the 32nd pick in the first round, $11.5 million and a $5.5 million bonus as well. None of these guys have played in the NFL. Again, we don't even know what they're going to look like in the NFL or if they were even going to pan out as said pick that they were. And yet, it's a hundred. It totals up to one hundred and forty nine point five million dollars worth of first round contract. Doesn't even count the guys that were drafted seven or second. The other seven. ten guys, absolutely. Yeah, the other ten guys that make millions, multi million dollar deals, like just being drafted at all. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't include them. Could you imagine someone just saying, Jeremiah, we're going to offer you this job. Don't even know how well you're going to do at it. You've never, you don't have any ex- or you 
we've never seen you perform at this rate, but based on what we've seen you do, we're going to offer you millions of dollars to come work for us. And you instantly get X amount of money just for signing with us and coming to work for us. We don't know if you're going to do good at this job, but we just want you to come here and we have faith in you. Could you, could you imagine someone giving that to you just because like of how well you've done in the past, but not necessarily at this job at this level, but it's absolutely insane to me. And it's crazy. And it's good for these guys. And it's something that Georgia is definitely going to be advertising. They're going to be telling recruits like, yeah, the NIL money looks pretty great. That $8 million offer might look great now, but we're trying to set you up for a lifetime. We're trying to set you up for generations of your family. And that's what we're here to do to develop you into an NFL player and get you in a position where you don't ever have to worry about money ever again. While also making Mm -hmm. NIL money at UGA as well. Maybe not the huge amounts of money that other people are getting, but we're going to set you up firsthand, develop you, and then you can make even more money later on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but the funny thing on speaking of the first round and and the projections, right? Like the things that they haven't proven themselves in the league yet, making this kind of money. It's really funny when you when you look at Trayvon Walker um, going first overall because we sit back and and as Georgia fans, we sit back and we understand his what he's actually capable of. We saw him come on into his own this season and and what he became. But then you sit here and see the national media and other fans from different uh, teams and everything, rival teams, come out and talk about. You know, he, he only had nine and a half sacks at Georgia in his three years there. Boy, Mel Kuyper touched or six on and all a half. of that during the Mel draft, Kuyper. didn't he? I mean, every single dog that was taken in the first round, he went back to the – it was like a broken record. Every time a dog was taken, it was like, well, we aren't sure about how they're going to do in the NFL because their production just really doesn't show up on the paper. So we're not sure how they're going to hold up. I really question this pick. And then it's just like every single time. makes no sense to me. But yeah, he was the one projecting them to be in the first round all the time. So – yeah, hit hit yeah, his mock drafts. He always had them going in the first round. Like most of the guys going in the first round that actually went in the first round, except maybe Lewis Seen was one that, you know, wasn't actually up there um, on his mock draft that I'm aware of. Um, but yeah, it's just funny because their projections of what they were able to put on paper and everything like that. The good thing is these NFL guys uh, do two things. One that really benefited them is watch game tape. You know, watch watch what Trayvon Walker's actually doing out there. Seeing him make those plays left and right, even though he only had nine and a half sacks at Georgia in three years. Well, six or six and a half of them came this past season, and that was the first year that he was a starter. You know, like it, if they want to look at stats, you got to understand how Georgia's roster is stacked, and you have guys that are like Trayvon Walker that haven't been able to start until this year. Mm-hmm. Right? He got one year to start, and it made him a first round draft pick because. He did have a decent amount of production this year when he actually started. The other two seasons, he wasn't starting. He was he was coming in every once in a while and making some plays as a you know uh, extra guy coming out and giving a breather to other guys. That's what he did for the first two years. And so now, when he got it, you got to look past the career stats and the, the the announcers and everything like that. And Mel Kiper wasn't able to do that when you're sitting there listening to him. It just absolutely drives you nuts. Yeah. So. It was one of those things. The other thing that also benefited them, right? I said two things, and I know this was in the comments a second ago, so it'll be funny when I say it because it's true, though. The other thing that benefited him was his measurables and what he did at the Combine. It's true. He also went out there after this season and just absolutely put on a show. We talked about that last week, so I won't get too in-depth on that again, but he absolutely went off, mm-hmm. and so did Jordan Davis, and so did Wyatt. And like these other guys, like they went and seen was one – I think he was one of the top – speed guys at at safety as well like top three i believe um himself and they they did measure very well 
and it showed up in the draft. A guy from the Green Bay Packers actually came out this week and said, you know, Green Bay has become known for taking NFL um, UGA players. I think the first three picks, um, first round picks have all been Georgia guys. And he said, one of the guys from Green Bay said, it's because th- their practices, they've seen them up close. They go and watch. He said, their practices are as close as it gets to NFL practices and NFL light. It's as close as they ever seen out of everybody else in college football. Georgia is the closest thing that anybody can get to an NFL team without it actually being an NFL team. And that's why you see them measure out really well at the combine. That's why you see them, but that's why you see five guys go in the first round from the defensive side of the football. It's because Kirby Smart and his staff get his players ready for the NFL. They prepare them way ahead of time before anybody else is. They are doing what is necessary to get these guys ready, get them prepared, and make them be the most attractive prospects to anybody out there. And that's it's why they broke the record this year for most draft picks ever. Yeah, for sure. And one, yes, Harrison, I got you. Don't worry about it. Um, and the other the other coach, you know, that says that as well, like another organization or coach that has said that Georgia is preparing these guys as if they're already in the NFL or in the league, Bill Belichick. He, he said that two years ago, I think, mm-hmm. where he said he likes Georgia guys because they are prepared for the NFL when they get there. Like the, the guys that he's seen come out of Georgia and that he's seen up close to going to practices, that kind of thing, they're ready to go. So when you've got Green Bay sitting here talking about that, and obviously the Eagles felt pretty good about them too. Yeah. They went and got a couple dogs. Um, and so did uh, – who else did? No, it was them. Yeah, it was them and Green Bay that got the two guys. Um, and then you got Bill Belichick on the other side talking about the Georgia pr- product in the past couple of years. That, that speaks volumes. That That is doing recruiting – the draft in general did recruiting for Kirby Smart, mm-hmm. but that helps as well. When you see these coaches come out, that's extra recruiting that Kirby didn't necessarily need, but he's not going to say no to. Yeah, and 2022 was just beginning for Georgia. It, like This wasn't just a year like LSU had where it was, yeah, they had a lot of NFL prospects. That's why they did so well in the regular season, and that's why they won the national championship. Kirby Smart has built this program to last, and he's built it for longevity and I'll go ahead and tell you why. And the, the 2023 class might be even crazier than this year's class was. I have a bunch of names um, listed down on this sheet of paper. I don't know if I'll list them all, but I'll just kind of list off the headliners at least. Eric Gilbert next year is eligible. Nolan Smith, Darnell Washington, Jalen Carter, Warren McClendon, Broderick Jones, Kyrus Jackson, Tyke Smith, Christopher Smith, Keeley Ringo, Cedric Van Pran, Robert Beal, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, Stetson Bennett, Warren Erickson, Rosemary Jack St., William Poole. That's 19 guys right there that are draft eligible, draft eligible next year. doesn't mean that they will necessarily declare. Some of them probably will come back because Georgia usually does have quite a few guys that will return back to school. But that's a long list of names. And that uh, you can make the case for all of those guys being worth a one through seven round pick in the NFL next year. Jalen Carter, of course, is the buzz right now. He's the best player on Georgia's campus right now. But there's also some other names that are definitely going to emerge above the water here pretty soon that people necessarily – didn't see this last season, but now they're going to. It always happens for Georgia, and it's going to happen this next year as well. Yeah, it definitely is. And there's there's quite a few guys on this list that I would expect to come back. You know, I'm looking through the same list, and like there's guys on this that are eligible. It'll be, you know, third year in kind of thing. Some of them that'll only be their second year of starting or playing and yeah. stuff like that. There's quite a few guys on the list I would I would expect to come back again. Um, now, all of a sudden, I mean, you never know, though. If they go out and have a crazy season this year – and their draft stock is, you know, first round or projections first, second round, they might be like, you know what, we're going to go ahead and go. Why why wait and sit around? But the point is, that's what Kirby Smart has set up. At this point, like Kirby Smart has established that Georgia is a place to go to get to the NFL. 
Like that is, that's a fact at this point. That's not a like up for discussion. The, the Kirby smart can't develop. We did an episode on that last year. Um, when what? around this time last year, Probably, I believe yeah. it was around this time last year after the draft actually it was because it was after the draft and Kirby smart had nine guys go, which was also a, his first full class. Mm-hmm. And then it was also a school record at the time. One more year in, he's now shattered his own record again that he's done quite a few times at this point. And he's set to be able to do the same kind of thing next year. Whether or not all 50 or all 19 of these people on the list that we have here end up getting drafted next year or even enter the draft is up, you know, we'll see. But at the same time, the point of it is it's not a one and done thing. No. Right. And, and there's all these guys out there talking about all the fans and everything saying that George is about to be like LSU, you know, was in lightning in a bottle, lightning in a bottle. You know, they got it all of a sudden they lose everybody. And then they're what six and seven or something like that, whatever LSU yeah. went afterwards, something like that. Um, and then it got worse, obviously there. Yeah. I mean, it's made guys, I'm not going to say names, but it's made guys say it'll be miraculous if Georgia makes it to the SEC championship game this year. That was ridiculous. Not going to name any names, but (laughs) I don't know that I have to, but yeah, just because Georgia had this mass exodus of players, people are saying that you should expect some drop off. I'm here to tell you, don't expect much drop off. One, have you seen the schedule for next year? It's probably easier than last year's and, it, they're just as talented, and they get better on offense, and they're going to be solid on defense again. So it, it's still going to be crazy. Don't expect much drop off. So, but yeah, continue your point. Brian. No, but but Harrison, yeah, it's it's somebody in the Georgia space that writes about it. Uh, if we were doing talking season, this would be a perfect talking season. It would be. Uh, it would comment because yeah, it came out and said that yeah, it would be miraculous for Georgia to make the SEC championship game again, mm-hmm. as if they haven't looked at the schedule at all. They're a Georgia beat writer, or they they write you know, for Georgia, basically. Um, it, yeah, that they would that they would be, uh, it would be miraculous for them to get there. And I'm sitting here, yeah, uh, Robert might have it in the comments there. Uh, <laughs> but I won't say it, but Robert's got it. Read the comments if you want it. But sitting here saying that, and you're going, all right, well, who's going to, one, dethrone them in the, in the East in general, plus the schedule alone is, it's more of a cakewalk than it was this year. I mean, it is. It, you, you open the season with Oregon, which I don't think is going to be a close game. Um, but other than that, Tennessee. who do you – And that's just throwing another name out there, really. It's not even making a legitimate case. So That's what I really want to ask said person of, all right, so who's going to be that team? Then? If, it's, if it's going to be Georgia being, you know, miraculous for them to be able to make it back, who's the team that has, like, the shoe in for it? Like, who, who's going to be walking through – you know, Athens, Georgia, and taking that from them. Like, that's that's not going to happen this year at no. all. Like, not even close. No. I mean, Kirby Smart has a great track record against SEC East teams. He has a great track record in general against SEC teams. And so they're not going to have much trouble this year, I wouldn't expect, unless something major happens along. They hit the injury bug again this year, and it takes out some key players. I just don't see it happening. But real quick to what I was saying, too, was – I got lost in my own rant as far as what I was talking about when I saw that, when I, when I got into it. But the point of it is it's not the same as LSU because what, you know what the big difference was between LSU who they put some stuff together. They had, you know, Joe Burrow absolutely just have a mental switch within a season himself and go on like a historic run, win the Heisman, kill it in the NFL, that kind of stuff. Right. Georgia recruits 10,000 times better 
than LSU consistently than LSU did prior or prior to that win. That's the difference. The difference is Georgia loses 15 guys, and we're sitting here talking about 19 other guys that might go next year. Well, That's th- the difference. Well, I think what's crazy, too, is you look at LSU. They had nine players, I think, taken in the NFL draft this year. But they, they did. had a very average season this year. They didn't really surprise anybody or really look all that great. But yet they still put in – they've still put nine guys in the NFL. So I'll tell you what the difference maker is. It's player development. And I'm here to make the case that Kirby Smart – is or if not, he's very close to being the best player developer in all of college football. And so I've I put together some stats of some other head coaches during their first six years with their um, respective programs and how many draft picks they had, how many first rounders compared to Kirby Smart. So I'm going to start with Kirby Smart. And LSU had 10, by the way, too. 10, 10, 10 draft picks, not at nine. They had 10. But so Kirby Smart, 45 players drafted in the last six seasons with 12 first round picks. Nick Saban in his first six seasons with Alabama, 27 players drafted and and 11 first-round picks. Dabo Sweeney in his first six with Clemson, 28 draft picks, three first-round picks. Lincoln Riley, 32 draft picks in five years at Oklahoma. And I counted the 2022 class just because he was there until the very end with him, so I went ahead and counted it as well. And they had five first-round picks. So that's usually the five names that you hear about who's the best coach in college football or who's the top five. And Kirby Smart outranks all of them within their first six or five seasons at their biggest program. Or And that's also saying that Nick Saban was very well into his head coaching career at that point. And Kirby Smart is at his first head coaching gig at UGA. And he's doing really well. And he's outperforming everybody. And he is the best player developer, I think, in all of college football. And there, there's and also it also plays into it's not just the four and five stars that Kirby Smart has taken and putting into the draft. He takes a lot of those guys and he puts them into the draft. But it's also the three stars, the projects, if you will. So notables of that is Tay Crowder, who's an impact player in the NFL. May have been Mr. Irrelevant, but he's not irrelevant in the NFL right now. Jordan Davis was a three-star coming out of high school. He was a first-round pick. Eric Stokes was a first-rounder, three-star coming out of high school. DeAndre Baker was a three-star coming out of high school. He turned into a first-rounder as well. And then also Devontae Wyatt um, went to JUCO for a year and then came to UGA, and he ended up being a first-rounder as well. It's not just the high-caliber athletes that he's doing this with. It's the guys that nobody was looking at coming out of high school. It's the guys that were kind of turning a blind eye to and weren't necessarily recruiting. But Kirby Smart said, I want him and I'm going to turn him into one of the best players at his position. And he's doing it consistently every single year. That's the big difference maker that really makes Kirby Smart stand out amongst everybody else. Well, let's talk about this, too, of these names, right? Tay Crowder, he was Mr. Irrelevant and all of a sudden got like significant snaps with the Giants last year. Uh, We won't talk about Jordan Davis in this one because it's just brand new. But Eric Stokes had his first season last year. One of the best rookies in all of the NFL. Made huge splashes in the NFL in in his rookie season. Um, You you do have DeAndre Baker on there, um, but he got got in trouble for really even getting to play too much. He got in trouble, and then he broke his leg, I believe. And so I think he's on. But he got him to that point of being a first-round pick. He did. But my point is, like, you also don't even know what his production could have been prior to getting in a little bit of trouble and then also breaking his leg when he got to Kansas City. And I think he's on Kansas City's practice squad maybe now. He's still with the team at some point. But um, that that's another name that, you know, you, you could have seen some serious production from them out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But going into all of that, I really liked how when you used Nick Sabans on there, you also did the first six seasons yes. at Alabama. Not even just his first six seasons coaching, but like the ones at Alabama where he's got his current dynasty and he had some coaching experience going into it. It's interesting, yeah. right? Well, but also this was pretty interesting to me too that I came across the other day. It was most NFL draft picks in the last three seasons by schools. Who leads that? Georgia. 
with 31 picks in there. And Alabama is two under them, uh, two teams under them at uh, 26 in that. So five more players in Alabama in the last three seasons from Kirby Smart. So when you want to talk about the production and, and the development of players, yeah, I think you have a great argument because of the first six seasons that Nick Saban had at Alabama, the first six seasons for Kirby Smart, and then also the last three years for recency for Nick Saban being included in that. He definitely has made his argument for being the best player developer in college football right now. I think that's easy. That, that's an argument that's valid at this point. He's definitely answered those questions. So next time you see, which because I saw this this week, we still saw this this week, where a Florida fan is saying, "Yeah, he he's doing all of this with you know all these five stars and stuff. Let's see him do it with you know he has to have he has to have the best recruiting class every year to be able to do this. Let's see him do it with three stars or something like that." Now I, I literally commented on it. You've already got the list of the other guys oh, here. I all I did, right all I did, was comment on it and was like, "You mean like Jordan Davis? Yeah, like the guy that's this year was a, a three the star, most dominant player in this all college year? football. Three star. That, that's a, there's an example right in the there. first round. Yeah, did you pay attention at all? Like he's one of the biggest names on the team. <clears throat> you didn't know that he was a three star to make that argument, but yeah, go off. I mean, what a past. 365 days it has been for Kirby Smart because any possible question or narrative that was created about Kirby Smart, he has squashed, put it to bed. It is absolutely non-existent. Can't even make an argument for any of them anymore. I mean, won the national title, got over the hurdle of Alabama. People said he couldn't develop players. He goes out and puts on a heck of a performance for the NFL draft as well. And quarterback discussions, say what you want, but he took a former walk-on and made him to a national champion. So, I mean, anything, I mean, just what a year for Kirby Smart. I mean, absolutely insanity and what can you say about him what what are the cons of kirby smart that you can even possibly say about him anymore i can't think of any he has put together a heck of a list of accolades and his and stamped his name in so many history books it's not even funny and again he's only through six years yeah i don't i don't know what argument you can make against him at this point if you do you're you're reaching seriously reaching and then you're probably making some stuff up or not paying attention to some of the stuff that he's already done to answer said questions that you might have. I don't know that there's much left to, you know, argue of whether or not he's one of the best coaches in college football. And right now, active for sure. Active for sure. He's definitely got to be in my head. And I know this is slightly biased being Georgia sports fans and Georgia fans here. He's he's the second best coach in college football right now. Nobody's better than Nick Saban. I'm not going to make that argument at all because that's just – not the way that I'm going to take this. Ignorant, yeah, whatever, whatever whichever one you want to use, yeah. insert there. But that's clear, right? But everyone always, like you said, uses Lincoln Riley and Dabo Sweeney and other coaches of that, and Brian Kelly and, and coaches like that. Who's had the type of production that he has had in six years in the league, in college football, and continuing to go that direction to? Like we said, 15 drafted this this year. 19 guys that are in the discussion for next year already. And no, we're not going to sit here and project rounds and stuff this early. I've seen some of the mock drafts and stuff for next year. That to me is not worth doing at this point in time. You haven't seen these guys. Like there's so many guys that for Georgia this year that got drafted that you probably would have left out of that conversation or maybe put them in the late rounds or something that ended up being second round picks or first round picks and everything like that. So I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah, and the thing too that another point why Georgia stands out amongst everybody and something that another area that Kirby Smart has really excelled at while being at Georgia is the people that he's brought on to his staff 
to help develop players as well. And he's hit a home run almost every single hire that he has made. One of the biggest ones has been Trey Scott. People questioned him early on. People kind of were like, I don't know if this guy's the right fit. I don't think he's being productive enough with what we need at the position. Again, you got to remember, Georgia, before this year's draft, hadn't had a defensive lineman taken until tw- since 2013. But then he put three first-rounders in this draft alone. And he's developed players. Again, Jordan Davis being an example of it. He developed Jerome Walker into a number one overall pick. And he's bringing in more. Again, Jalen Carter is still on campus. Best player on Georgia's um, – one of the best defensive linemen in all of college football. He's continuing to do it. And he's continuing to recruit at an elite level. And there's more names to list, of course. Todd Hartley, another example of a great hire. Um, Dan Lanning, until he went on to Oregon, was another one. Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, Todd Mungan. Go on and on and on about the hires that Kirby Smart has made. You might find one or two where it's like, okay, yeah, we missed on that one. He missed on that one. That wasn't necessarily a great hire. But the pros definitely outweigh the cons in that area as well. And so, again, just something else to add to Kirby Smart's list of the things that he has done really, really well at, especially when you consider this is his first time being a head coach at a school. Absolutely. He's he's absolutely proven that he can bring in the coaching staff that he needs. Like, I mean, we're literally looking at Trey Scott taking a, a defensive line room from a team like that hasn't had somebody Completely drafted revamped since, it. Somebody that like a, a a room that hasn't had anybody go in the draft since 2013 to having three eyes in the first round and the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. I mean that it talk about putting the right guys in the right places. Then you look at I mean just the running back room is consistent. They put two more running backs into the league this year. Every year they're putting two running backs in the league. It feels like. Um, probably going to have two more next year. Probably going to have two more next year. It's very possible. At least one. I'm sure maybe one of them stick around. You never know. They yep. they might stick around a little bit longer. They got some time. Um, but at the same time, maybe two go next year. It's it's unreal that some of these position coaches have been able to produce this. Actually, I saw something. Speaking of position coaches consistently producing, today I, I realized that there's been four straight drafts where Georgia's put a tight end in the NFL. Four straight years. That Georgia has a tight end, and, and it's Georgia's not keep, even known for that, tight ends. That streak is going to oh, that, continue that, <laughs> for a while. That's, there's one every year for the next, you know, few years. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because Gilbert, Gilbert could go this. You year. might even be able to start a streak here soon of number one or first round um, tight ends. Pick oh, that's as about well. yeah. That's that's a genuine, genuine thought right yeah, there. That's so. yeah, that one's real. Georgia's got something cooking right there. Definitely, no doubt about that. So. Yeah, so do whatever you have to do to keep Trey Scott around. Do whatever you have to do to keep majority of your guys around because they're doing an exceptional job on top of what Kirby Smart is already doing with this program. So you can say goodbye to the days where there's um, draft droughts at UGA positions like what you saw at the defensive line. Those days are over. You're seeing guys drafted from every single position, and hopefully the only one missing really is quarterbacks. I'm sure they'll get something rolling here pretty soon with the guys that they got coming in and the guys that they're recruiting. So other than that, though, they're doing a phenomenal job and they're finding a way to win, be successful every single year, and find that consistency. It's something that a lot of programs have failed to do. Kirby Smart has not failed to do that yet. Well, and I'm going to go out on a limb real quick before I let you segue, which I know we were doing. So as far as the quarterback room goes, I I expect – I've already told you what I expect from Sets and Bennett this year, what type of production I expect him to have. If he produces what I – think he will in this Georgia offense next season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get drafted next year. I'm not saying he's an early round pick because I just don't think he's he's not going to meet up the measurables like everyone's going to say. Like he's, he's not going yeah. to have that. But I, I could see a team taking him in, in one of the late rounds, the last mm-hmm. couple rounds of the draft next year. I think that's not out of the discussion at all. I think that Georgia could have a quarterback go again 
Um, and then if that happens, then you're going to start, once again, you've got these guys stacked up in that quarterback room that the next couple of seasons you'll start seeing them go higher rounds and everything as well. I mean, NFL teams always need practice guys, and you have always heard about how well Stetson Bennett has practice. The whole story of him being the Baker Mayfield role, yep. practice for the Rose 2017. Bowl. So, and it, uh, some perhaps someone takes a shot on him just for that role—a guy to have him practice and a guy to give their defense a legitimate look and on offense and challenge them. And just a—he's an all-around athlete at the position as well. So perhaps that that only um, helps him in favor to be a draft pick as well. And then if he can continue to show production and show improvement as well. It, I mean, you never know. He yeah. could just very well sleep, um, sneak into the um, late round. How um, crazy is it going to be if Stetson Bennett's on the 2017 Georgia National Championship team not winning, but being there on the winning National Championship team in 2021? And then what if they go again next year with Stetson Bennett still on the roster? That's pretty – Build a statue. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very serious when like, I say that. Build if he takes them back next year, there's a serious discussion for – He's owed a lot of respect at that point. Oh, he already him. is. Yeah. Let me let me start by saying that, which we we've beat that you know drum so much on the show about defending sets a minute. He's already deserving of the respect that he has earned at this point. But if he takes them back again, and, and this year you can't justify people can't justify saying, well, the defense brought them there this year. If he goes back, it's not because of the defense. I mean, they're going to play a part because it's a team sport, and they're still going to be good this year. There's a lot of guys on that list of people that we just were looking at that are defensive guys that will definitely make a big impact on it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So we're going to go ahead and segue into our final segment of the show. We really zoomed through all those topics, but we hit, we covered a lot of ground as well. So we, I have an um, extra thing for you after we get through. King oh, look, you, you're throwing the yeah. curveball this time. Usually it's me. Um, I got an extra one. Dean, you want to stick around for this one? Oh, uh, okay. I, now you ruined it. You ruined the suspense. I already know what it is. <laughs> wow. Now I'm a little bit let down. Let down. Yeah. I was I was excited for this surprise that you had for me, and now you, I, I, you I already didn't say what it was. It, Dean, but I already know Dean, what it is. Dean could be surprised. He want to stick around for anything audience, that I challenge The audience you with. is um, still in suspense. Yeah. But So for our King of the Hill, the one I picked out, we're just going to go ahead and go with a basic one of who out of Georgia's draft class this year do you think has the best NFL career? And we're saying, just to clarify on this, because I saw this when we were talking about it, it's best not just longest, right? Yeah. Or however you want to justify you take it. it. Yeah, however you um, define best um, career in the NFL. I'm going to take what I think – I feel like it's deserved at this point too, and I think you they put a chip on somebody's shoulder with it. I, I think it's – one of your guys that's going to have an, an incredible NFL career is going to be N'Kobe Dean. I, I think that – and I know that's – possibly the low-hanging fruit of this conversation. But there's a lot of talented guys on here that you can sit here and say are going to have great careers. That Most of them are going to have good careers, I would imagine. Um, but I really think that N'Kobe Dean's going to come into his own. He, he got kind of screwed over in the NFL draft. There are a lot of the stuff coming out about him being injured and having all these concerns, not getting surgery on his shoulder or, or pectoral muscle like he's apparently been told to do. But then after the draft comes out, he opens up to the media and says he had – you know, he, he went and saw two different doctors, got a second opinion on it, and he was never told that he needed to have surgery on yeah, he it. He got done dirty, that's for sure. He was told that he never had to have surgery on it. He, he, he wasn't told that he had to have surgery on it. And then he's also trying to figure out why everybody's saying that he's going to need red shirt year and not be playing this season because he's saying, I'm 100% ready to go he's next week. He's going to go day one. Next week for saying. rookie minicamp. So he's expecting to suit up um, this week or next week for minicamp and the Eagles are expecting him to suit up for minicamp. They even came out, somebody in their front office said, you know, during the draft where they were seeing everything go down and they were starting to hear all the same stuff everybody else was, 
they pulled their doctors in because they called him and, and did a physical on him. They mm-hmm. did a physical on him directly. Like, so he went to Philadelphia and they personally looked at him and they said that he's good to go. And so when everything was coming out saying that he's not going to play all this kind of stuff, they were like asking their doctors, are, what are, we, are we missing something? What's mm-hmm. going on here? No, we're not missing something. So you just got I, the steal I, of the draft. You got the steal of the draft in the third round for a guy that should have been a top 15, top 20 pick in the NFL um, this year. And that's why I think he's going to have – I think he's a 10-year guy anyways. I, I think he's a guy that's going to have a long career. Uh, I, maybe he's a Thomas Davis type you know, at linebacker. Like Maybe he's that type of guy that's going to be with the team and be in the league for a long time. I'm not saying he's going to be all pro four different times or whatnot. I'm just saying he's going to have a long, successful career, in my opinion, with the Eagles or wherever else he ends up after that. But, yes, the Eagles got the steal of the draft, and that's why I think he's deserving of this for me. Plus, you have him playing with Jordan Davis again. And those two pair together so well. They complement each other each other's games really well when Nicobe's trying to rush the gap. Jordan Davis is going to find a way to open it. He's going to find a way to part the Red Sea, however you want to put it. So getting those two guys together, I think, is also huge. And it, but it benefits both of them as well. Yeah, it does. And the other thing that came out about Nicobe Dean that I kept seeing the day after the draft and everything like that that everybody was talking about um, was that he requires support or help. Like he he needs dudes up front in order to be able to play his game. Otherwise, he's not going to be good. That he stood out on his own on the field. But they, and, but everyone's now trying to make it that this front front seven, like the front four of that defense between Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Jalen Carter. Basically, they're saying they they tried to make it that he had to have those guys in order to succeed and sit back and do what he wants to do. Otherwise, otherwise, these guys would get to him in the second level and eat him up, basically, is what they're saying. And no, I don't think that's true. We've watched him shed blocks several times against offensive linemen, running backs, or whoever comes up to the second level. We've seen him do that, so I don't think that's going to be a concern. Secondly, Jordan Davis is in front of him. He was in front of him in college. If he needs that, guess what? He's got that. So he can sit back and do what he wants to do, even based on what your argument is when you're saying that. But that's it. That's my king of the hill. That's what I got. All right. Well, I'm, I have two guys, but I think I'm going to go with my first one that came to mind. And it's kind of out on the limb, but I have a lot of hopes for this guy just because I think he really fits the current NFL offensive systems. I'm going to go with James Cook just because I think the I way – like that. I think his game translates really well to the NFL and how people like to use the running backs, how he's effective in the pass game. You can put him out wide. He scored multiple touchdowns for Georgia doing that. And he really showed improvement running between the tackles and his run game in general, not going down on the first side of contact. So he's one. He, I think he's someone that I think is going to have one of the more successful careers out of this draft class. It's kind of going out on a limb maybe, but it's just so hard to pick against him when what you saw in Georgia, what you saw from him at Georgia is what you're going to be seeing him do in the NFL. And then my other one was going to be George Pickens. I think that you could get something really special between him and baby hands. Um, Pickett. <laughs> Um, I think you could see. I think you could really um, see some chemistry built together between those two guys. I think he fits in perfectly with the AFC North and what they have going on over there. Um, so George Pickens is my other one, just because oh, deep God. threats at wide receiver and one that can run like him and can track the ball really well, can high point the football, and really excels at um, catching balls um, regardless of contact. There's always going to be a place for him in the NFL, and if he continues to build off success and really peak, like I said last week, he hasn't peaked yet. If he can peak in the NFL at the right time, I think he'll have a long, successful career as well. So I'm going with Cook and Pickens for mine. But I'll let you get to your – I do like – but before we even segue, I do like James Cook on there, though, because he has that similar style to, like you said, what they're using in the NFL like that. He's got that – 
that Christian McCaffrey type style where he can run the ball, mm-hmm. he can catch effectively and make people miss and make people look silly. You know, with just it keeps defenses on their toes. He can't. Well. I'm not saying he's gonna be Christian McCaffrey because that's. I mean, that's an MVP candidate, you know, and one of the best running backs in the NFL. Plus, he's got so, Josh Allen throwing the ball to him as well, and that's a huge right. Factor you have as Josh well. Allen out there, and Georgia's used James Cook deeper downfield than a lot of teams do their running backs like that. Um, so, yeah, you could see him actually get some serious targets from Josh Allen there. Um, so, I, I, I like that. I really do like that. I think that that's that that's a good that's a good pick because of what he can bring to the table. Um, and he did score eleven offensive touchdowns for Georgia last year. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good production from your running back. So, yeah, I think he's uh, he was worthy of that second-round draft pick. Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, if we're going to look at running backs, I think that uh, Zamir is going to have a sneaky good career. I liked him good with career. Oakland. I, 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 think he's got, I think he's got a – or you mean Las Vegas? Or, sorry, Las Vegas. The Raiders, Raiders. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, he, I think he's going to have a pretty good career there too. They're obviously – I saw that they're going to let um, Josh Jacobs go. They're not going to pick up his fifth year, so he's going to be gone. So he'll have a chance to kind of step up big there. They have some great running backs in that room right now too, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other guys outside of uh, Josh Jacobs. So it'll be interesting to see what he can put together in the NFL. I think he's going to be a guy that kind of surprises you. He was so slept on. We talked about this last week too. He was slept on in his college career. And just that quiet guy that kind of ate things up. But if you remember correctly, a lot of people slept on Chubb in his last year, too, and gave a lot more credit to Sony because Sony was a little bit flashier and everything like that. Sony's having a good job, you know, a good time in the NFL right now, too. He played with the Patriots and then with the Rams. Um, I think he has two Super Bowl rings right now. Mm-hmm. So he's having a good time. But if you look back at it right now, Chubb's the one that's like dominating the NFL as a running back, mm-hmm. but he was not the one that everyone was looking at outside of it. So I think Zamir could have a pretty good career too. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, I think there's a, plenty of guys you could go off of and make the case for to have really solid careers. I think you will see a lot of them have great careers in the NFL and continue to do great things in their, um, in their football careers as well. But now I'll let you get on to your curveball and your surprise of the show. So go yeah. ahead. I know let you figured it out at this point, but, but other people don't know. When you start getting called out by Josh McAllister – on Twitter, wouldn't want to be called out by anyone else. Honestly, <laughs> that was pretty I'm just funny. glad he's there to hold me accountable. That was pretty funny. Um, but you, you came out and said ban the shift, right? So I want I you did. to defend that. In I want you to make an argument for banning the shift in baseball because now, I, I disagree with it. Now, so I want to, to see what made you say it. And to then my what? point, I was watching the Braves game with my roommate. Shout out to Dean. I hope he's in the comments still. If he's not, shame on you. But um, we were watching the Braves game, and him and I were talking about how it feels like the shift hurts the Braves more than it helps. And especially when there's a chance to turn a double play, we necess- we didn't like the idea of shifting your players around, and it makes it a lot more difficult to turn a double play, especially how the Braves had Dansby and Ozzy position. And it, there were multiple times where they um, the pitcher got a ground ball that would typically be a routine double play, and it didn't result in one because okay. they couldn't shift around and they couldn't get in the right position. So what I really meant was – Let's not do the shift when we have a chance to get a double play. Just kind of play straight up. Maybe you can play more to one side a little bit, but let's kind of keep your guy in the general um, area so that way you can reward your pitcher when he um, gets the job done and he gets a ground ball and you can end the inning because if you can't, then usually that's where it costs you. And, you know, when you have a chance to end an inning and it continues – that's usually where runs are scored, and that's where you get left behind in a game. So I should have been more specific, but I'm more, yeah. it was more so just a let out of outrage at the <laughs> game and how the Braves have struggled and okay. ended up winning today, though. But yeah, so I should have added context. But yes, yeah, I did tweet, there should have been more context. Ban the shift in all caps. In all caps. And, all right, so that makes a little bit more sense. And the I Georgia give you more third credit. baseman called me out. Yeah, Josh McAllister, Georgia's third baseman, or shortstop. He's been playing shortstop. He play, he's a utility too. guy. Yeah, he's been playing shortstop the last couple games I've seen when I went and everything, too. So. 
Um, but yeah, I had to, I had to kind of get more of an explanation of that because, yeah. but it makes more sense. You're, you're saying from a defensive perspective, you didn't like it, yes. which I can agree with that. Cause I went to, I went to the Kennesaw state versus Liberty university game a couple weeks ago and I was getting mad at Liberty, um, because I kept every, every time they had a right-handed batter come up, their second baseman was playing either behind second or on the left side yes. of second base. And it kept, they kept getting killed by it. And so I was saying like, I, it, I didn't like it from that perspective either. Um, it, it was getting them, but I was thinking you were coming from a perspective of you didn't like it because hitters were hitting into no. it and stuff like that. Because my argument was going to be easy against Although that. I one. do hate that as well. There's, I'm a big MLB The Show guy on Xbox, and man, I can't tell you how many times I want to throw my controller through the wall because <laughs> I hit a perfect line drive and it goes into someone. It goes to the second baseman playing in right field or some <laughs> crap like that. But yeah. Well, the worst side on that in, in the show is like I'll be pitching and the defense will shift behind me. And they won't tell me they've shifted kind of thing. Yeah, like the game doesn't let me too, know. Man. And so I'm pitching to one side, and all of a sudden they shoot it right through a gap. I'm like, God, okay, cool. But that makes me feel better. I'm glad that it wasn't as straightforward as it sounded on there, but it was actually in defense of the Braves to maybe stop shifting as much. or because In certain situations, if you want to shift with nobody on base or whatever, then fine. You know what? Yeah. Analytics tell yeah. you certain things, and you got to do what you got to do, what you feel like gives you the best chance to win. Um, Colonel, you know how this show goes by now. We hardly ever disagree on things, even when it might look like we're about to. Usually it comes full circle. And we I thought right we would disagree on this side one too. By side I and did. agreeing with each other. But see, you guys called me out. Didn't even care I didn't to hear call my you side. out. I just joined in. Yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> Josh called you out. I joined he in. He did. He did. That was pretty good. But yeah, that's that's what I got for the show. That's good for me. Well, good. I'm glad that we agree on the shift. And there was a lot of great discussion talked about this um, this episode, talked about Kirby Smart being one of the greatest in college football in general, not quite ahead of Nick Saban. But in some areas, you could make the case that he is um, excelling ahead of Nick Saban in some areas of college football. And then just what the job that UGA is doing in general at producing athletes into the professional football league, the rate that they're doing it at, and all the money that they brought in this last weekend. That's a big recruiting so pitch for much. Georgia to have along with the national championship ring and what they did at the Combine. They have one of the best pitches for recruitment in all of college football. So there you have it. I'll go ahead and plug everything as usual. We got the Dogs Daily um, Twitter handle down there in the corner as well. So go ahead and follow us on Twitter. If you want to see engagements like us talking with Josh McAllister, go right on and follow us over there. Um, we have a Facebook page as well. We put our lives over there as well if you want to catch it over there. And then, of course, um, yeah, just follow us, engage with us, ask us questions. Whatever you guys want, we're here for you, and we want to produce as much content as we can for you guys and address areas that you guys want to learn more about. So you can Absolutely. over to you. And as always, keep it classy in the Classic City. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stod 7, to Kyle at DK Fubderberg, and Jonathan at 22 underscore J-Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, 